Hey there, everybody. Welcome into the Love and Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am merely Bo Bishop. Johnny Ginter is on the other end. I am doing this while battling influenza. Um, and yet we're team players. This is what we got to do. Yeah. It's, it's a bowl game, so we're going to get it in. Um, I, let's just start with this, this, Johnny. It's Ohio State. It's USC. It's game week. Are you jacked? Does it feel like it's game week? Because to me, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like a game week to me. It just, I feel like it's post-Christmas because my whole family's sick and I'm in a fog. Um, but do you feel like an impending game of this magnitude is coming down the pipe? So not yet, but I, wa- I want to tell you something. I was, uh, I was feeling a little less than super enthusiastic about bowls in general. And I was like, what, what can I do? What's the thing that people do to try to get heavily invested in something that doesn't directly impact you know, how they feel immediately so they can, you know, kind of build up to it. And luckily we've got this capital one, you know, bowl mania thing going on on the site where we can keep track of our picks. And we like, we, we determine who all is going to be, you know, winning these bowl games. And normally I'm just like complete garbage at this. Like I'm just terrible, but somehow my, uh, my late night addled brain when I was filling out these picks uh, went to some kind of savant mode because I am currently sitting at the 99th percentile in this thing. Wow, and, uh, I'm kicking butt. So I, I'm very excited about bowls in general, and now okay. I've actually been looking forward to the Cotton Bowl a little bit because I want to see if that's going to be kind of my crowning achievement there towards the end of this week, uh, where I can really solidify my position on that. So in part, I got the whole fantasy football thing going on. Um, right. I just want to see Ohio State beat USC for the first time in like 40 years. So that'd be pretty cool too. I think in a vacuum, like when it comes to Friday night, and I get through this week and the post holiday you know, slumber when you get through that and it comes to Friday night and it's, you know, around kick that I'm going to be pretty jacked for the game. Oh yeah. Um, That's definitely going to happen. One thing that I noticed is, and I, you know, the last couple of, you know, last year you're in the the playoff, my first couple of years, not covering Ohio state on a day-to-day basis. When you are in the local media and you cover these games and you go down, like when I was at channel 10, if I was going to go to this game, I probably would have traveled like the 24th of December. So Mm -hmm. you're asked to be away from your family at Christmas to go, quote, cover a bowl game uh, for Channel 10. Okay, like that would have been my job. And I'm sure that they're down there and I'm sure Clay's down there and Dom's down there and Jared and all the guys in locally in Columbus are down there. When did our guys get down? Like Christmas Day, maybe? Yeah, around there. Yeah. Okay, so something like that. When you when you travel with the team, you feel like what you're doing is the most important thing in the history of planet globe. (laughs) <laughs> like, it feels like it's the most, this is the most consequential. I mean, these bowls do a tremendous job if you're involved with them and you travel with them and you travel with the team. They do a tremendous job with whether it's these giant 747s or these water cannon entrances into the airports or all the <laughs> pop and circumstance. They make it feel like you're covering the Super Bowl when yeah. you're not on the beat and you're paying attention to this. What I find, what I've found the last couple of years, last year's a little different because it was you know in the playoff, but even the year before when they played Notre Dame, what I found is that for the rest of us who aren't traveling with the team, they ju- this bowl game just kind of pops up for me on a Friday. Like the buildup and stuff, if it's not for the national championship, the juice is lost. And I covered a lot of these where, where it wasn't for a national championship and you felt like it, it was huge. It was a big, big deal. Um, and, and this game will be a big deal on Friday. They'll do a nice number. Um, they'll do a big rating other than the final four. This will be the highest rated bowl game. You can bet your, bet your stocks on that. Um, but, but from the standpoint of, of the buildup, you lose that. And I think 
maybe it's disproportionate when you're covering it, the amount of attention that we give it. Um, and from a, just to give you some inside baseball, from a local television news perspective, and I doubt many of you who are listening to this even watch local television news because you're under a certain age and people under a certain age just don't. But a lot of people take vacation this week. So what ends up happening is, is the news departments rely on sports to fill the black, to make the black go away. So right. I would do a thousand hits. I mean, I would do a hit in every show and we would be, we would do 10 minutes of newscast. I mean, because everyone's on vacation, there really isn't much news during this time of the year. So right. you would do a lot of the newscast and you felt like what you're doing is the most important thing in the history of the world. But now that I'm a stepped away from it, I realize that unless you're in the final four or in the old days, in the old BCS days, when you had a Rose bowl or you had a, you know, more traditional bowl matchups, those games I think had some juice. But but with when in the advent of this final four with with when you're not in one of those games, the buildup just isn't there unless you're there. That that's my from where I what I used to do to what I do now. I just don't feel the same juice to it. It'll be there on Friday, but the buildup is really lacking for me. And I think it's you all owe it to yourself if you've never gone to a bowl game to go a couple of days before the bowl and see everything that these because they really they get paid a lot of money to do it. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I think the guy running the Cotton Bowl <laughs> makes a million two a year. Uh, so we better be doing something. But they put on a hell of a show for you if you're down yeah. fans' teams. I, they make it seem like you're in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my pet conspiracy theory that half of these are just to launder money. But um, I like I kind of wonder about that because I'm I'm looking at some of these bowl games that I've been watching and I see like what the sponsors are and and how they end up making them you know worthwhile for the fans, like the Cherry Bundy Tart Cherub Boca Raton Bowl or whatever. That's it was. right. That's right. Like, I just want to know. I just like. How do they do it up in Boca Raton when the the guys get down there? Like you're talking about, like having the you know the the spray on the airplanes and yeah. stuff like that. Like I just it it kind of blows my mind that that much is invested. But I guess I mean that's why they have these you know quote unquote nonprofits organizing these bowls so that it can be an experience. And maybe that's a maybe that's part of it. Maybe like as someone and myself who has not ever gone to a bowl, maybe I need to have that experience. Maybe that's the Christmas. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. I think you'd enjoy it. I don't think you'd enjoy one like this where it's, you know, the 29th and, you know, it comes so quickly after the Christmas holiday. But I think if, you know, and you would, wouldn't even have to be an, a national semifinal, but I think if you went to a Rose Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, even a Cotton Bowl, a game that was on January 1st and you went like the 30th, you would yeah. really feel how special they make this thing. Now, you know, it used to be you give out iPads and PS3s and, you know, 3D, whatever, all this nonsense. They get to the <laughs> but you saw the tweet from Mike Weber. Uh, who subtweeted LeBron James about, look, I don't want to work either on Christmas Day. Yeah. I don't have any interest in that. And then I saw, um, oh, there was another Buckeye who said, and we don't even get paid. So they're becoming more and more aware of of how ridiculous this is. That I mean, the idea that Ohio State needs to be in Dallas for a week before they play a bowl game is absurd. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah, It's so the bowl can make money and so that right. they can serve their sponsors. That's it. There's no other reason for that. There's no reason for the Ohio State football team who is going to play this Friday night to have traveled any time sooner than today. Yeah. No, you see, I mean, that's the thing. You see a lot of these guys on like Instagram and whatnot. And when they have the opportunity to go back to their homes and see their families, that's what they do. I mean, they they take yeah. that opportunity so that they can hang out with the people that they don't really get a chance to see very often during the football season or really any season just because of their commitments. So I agree with you, especially during the holiday season. Like they, they need to be able to have more time with their families instead of having to, you know, 
hump down to to Dallas <laughs> and right. chill and, and you know and kind of, and honestly like it's it's fun to see you know some of these bowl games where the players are doing like charity work and stuff like that and that's cool but but I they think don't want to do it though Johnny I mean they're yeah come I mean, on I mean I've been to these that, things they do tons of that in Columbus that that yeah. doesn't necessarily that's no. not something that, that is required for them to go down there and no. you know of course they're wearing the bowl logos and everything yeah. like that to oh yeah do I've that. been to so the ninth ward a, with Ohio State okay right I've been to that's the ninth not really ward. an altruistic thing that they're no. being able to do. no no so. this is this is something that's forced it's early in the morning. The guys have, you know, they still have sleep in their eyes and they're usually forced to go, you know, hammer some nails as they build a playground. I mean, that's that's the way that this thing it's a big charade um, and it continues with, you know, they go to some steakhouse and try to eat porterhouses and go eat Brazil, you know, Faga de Chow or whatever. I mean, right. it's, you know, for, so from the outside looking in, I mean, you can see all of it. But when you're in it, I will say it's pretty cool when you're in it. They do a nice job. Um, so while I've kind of, you know, rained on your parade, if you are all jacked up <laughs> about this Ohio State-USC game, let's talk about the actual game. And, yeah, and I'm I excited could, for the game itself. Me too. Like, I, I am I too. I think, it's, I think it's, to me, even if I was not somebody who followed Ohio State on a regular basis, it would be the most attractive bowl game to me, even more so. Like the, the two semifinals are kind of amp for me. I'll be excited when they play the championship. But, I mean, I've seen USC, I've seen Clemson, Alabama so much, and Oklahoma – Georgia is fine. I mean, I like watching Mayfield play, even though he's kind of a punk. So even if I wasn't following Ohio State, this would be the one I'd be most excited for. And and the big reason for that is the strength versus strength matchup of Sam Darnold and and potentially the number one overall pick in the NFL draft coming to the Cleveland Browns, where I currently reside, <laughs> against an Ohio State defensive line that that could have, when all is said and done, three or four first round picks on it. Yeah. And how does he respond to that? That to me, um, I know that there will be a narrative and that has been going on about, you know, JT Barrett's last ride in the sun and all that stuff. Sure. To me, I, I don't really have any interest in that. I feel like that book's already been written and read. I am interested in Darnold against the Ohio State pass rush and the Ohio State secondary. That to me will be the most fascinating part of, of this game on Friday night. Yeah, I'm excited for the Cleveland Browns to uh, trade down to get uh, oh, three geez. more second and third round picks. Has to stop at some point. And then, and then when all the players, all the defensive players that went early from Ohio State are available, they pass them up for like scrubs from, you know, like Iowa State and stuff. Oh, it's pretty, uh, they blow it every year. I, you know, so the Sam Darnold thing, I'm actually, I'm not super hype on Sam Darnold in general, but it, I do like the idea of, Ohio State as a defense taking on these, not necessarily like Heisman front runners, but just guys that are supposed to be really, really, really great offensive players individually and seeing how they handle them. Because honestly, it feels like, with the exception of Baker Mayfield, it feels like when Ohio State has the opportunity to encounter a guy that is really, really, really talented and, and should be able to change the game by themselves, Ohio State does a generally pretty good job at shutting that person down. Now, again, Baker Mayfield is the glaring exception to this, but right. I, I do like that narrative because it's kind of a, you know, you're the big bad guy and you're going to come in here and show us what's up, but we're the team, we're together, and we can take care of that. I honestly, I think the Ohio State defensive line is going to have a field day. Um, I would think Pac so. Yeah, yeah Pac-12 is not known for super, you know, well-developed defensive lines, and I think they're just going to annihilate the USC offensive line. So, that's going to be fun for me. And I, I really want to see maybe a coming out party for some guys that maybe people don't uh, think about so much beyond like, you know, the likes of Nick Bosa. So um, 
I think that'll be fun to watch. I think that's going to be a really you know fun aspect, interesting aspect of the game. I think you're going to get a look at next year's Ohio State team too. I think you know you yeah. say coming out party. Like I think Chase Young has a chance to have a big yes. game. Absolutely. Um, I think some of those guys. I think you've seen some stuff this week in the lead up. I, I read somewhere um, in my flu induced haze that um, <laughs> that uh, Urban Meyer had Tate Martell running with the ones, which yeah. was the most transparent move of all time. For, th- that's basically don't transfer. Is yeah. what that is. That's don't <laughs> transfer, Tate. Like no, you're in this fight too. It's not just it's, it ain't Dwayne's job yet. You're still in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the carrot in front of Martell. Urban now, that's the fascinating thing as we get through this, because we haven't done a podcast since Emory Jones went to Florida. And I know the narrative after after it, and even for some people before it was, well, Ohio State didn't even want him. I, I don't believe that for a second. Ohio State wanted him desperately. They were not in love with the way that he responded to their love. And so they went to protect themselves and went another direction. And then did they have room for him? Who knows? But they desperately wanted Emory Jones. You don't spend that much time on a kid to not want him, right? Right. What that does is, is that makes Tate Martell critical. I mean, he's now critical. Do you remember when Tate Martell signed and you and I did the podcast in the spring and we said, my God, he looks like he's Frodo. I mean, he (laughs) just looks like the tiniest little guy compared to everybody else. And we said, well, he may never even play because they have Emory Jones coming in. (laughs) And now you see Urban giving him runs with the first team. I mean, I, we all think it'll be Haskins next year, but I would not be surprised if if Martell bumps to second team and they because fu- they have to keep him engaged because oh, they sure. don't have they don't have Emory Jones coming in now they don't right. have the next guy so it's Haskins probably next year and then they got to keep Martell engaged big time so that will you you mentioned you know the look you know coming out party Tate Martell's not going to play in this game but that story is kind of a sub story of bowl week and i think it's a fascinating one going forward how urban manages those quarterbacks well and then you've got i mean you know you've got like joe burrow and you've got like you know the other guys come in you've got a lot of i think i don't know i i I think it's interesting because they are going to have to manage some of these guys and the truth of the matter is and this is something i've been thinking about as far as haskins uh, what if he's not that great i mean he was good this season i think he has a lot of arm and he's got a lot of potential but what if he just doesn't turn out to be that great i mean you've got to like well, I think a lot of times he's, he's not right. ideal for Urban's offense. No, and that's what hey, I'm saying. Martell's and Joe Burrow are more ideal for Urban's offense. He's more that's of a Cardell. Right. That's exactly right. And my point is, is that we look at these, and I'm by we, I mean the you know Ohio State fans in general. Look at these quarterbacks. Look at these hotshot recruits that come in as 100 percent certain this guy is going to throw for 20,000 yards and right. win five Heisman's and all this other stuff. And then sometimes they just don't work out. And when they don't work out at the linebacker position or the offensive line, you can cover that up with other people. But if you have a like a, maybe a couple busts in a row at the quarterback position, that can destroy your yeah. team offensively. Absolutely. You really got to look for other solutions. So you better hope that the recruits that you have in previous years want to stay on your team to maybe bolster your overall you know playing ability if the guy that you really like doesn't end up working out. Well, um, Urban knows that firsthand because if Cam right. Newton doesn't steal keyboards, then he follows Tim Tebow. I don't know how he could have kept Cam Newton at Florida all that time waiting for Tebow to graduate. Yeah. Um, but he had him there, and then Tam, Cam gets in trouble with the the laptops, and so they had to go um, with John Brantley, who was a pro-style guy, and he just was a misfit for Urban's offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's critical. And don't don't undersell Tate Martell running with the ones. Don't Don't act like that's not something. That's something doesn't mean he's going to be the starting quarterback, but it means that is a clear message to Tate Martell. We need you. You're in our plans. 
So yeah, those think... are the stories that happen right. over a bowl week that, to me, even overshadow this bowl. Because let's be honest, outside of our pride for our state and our football program, this game doesn't mean a damn thing. I mean, it just well, doesn't. I mean, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, well, and that's it's what the playoff. Pride. Right. That's what the football playoff has done is yeah. that, you know, there I think the fact that these are all exhibition games have become even more apparent than they were. I mean, I, I think in the past when you had the Rose Bowl and it was the Rose Bowl and it that's was right. always, you know, with this conference versus the other conference. And that was something that people would, you know, really kind of gravitate towards. And it was it was seen to be as like a secondary rivalry. But when that's gone, I mean, really what you're looking forward to is the. Uh, the playoff. Now, I will say that I think that is somewhat unique for Ohio State I, in terms of at least how the fans perceive it, because you know I think the players perceive it, you know, as an exhibition, no matter what they're doing, unless it's for a championship. But uh, if you're, you know, if you're Purdue, like, you want to win that bowl game. Like that is that is to you like insane. If you're Indiana, if you're whatever, if you're a B or C tier team, that bowl game does matter a lot because that yeah. can help your prestige and help you get better recruits and all that stuff. If you're Ohio State. I think that becomes very readily apparent. Now, I, you know, I enjoy the matchup. I think it's a cool matchup. I, I like it when we Beautiful. when we uh, played and and Ohio State played and beat uh, Notre Dame a few years back. That was a fun game. That was that was good to be involved in, especially because yep. I hate Brian Kelly. Right. But it, it to me, what's more interesting, I guess, than how fans perceive it is how players perceive it. Mostly because, you know, our players thinking about setting out, our players thinking about, you know is this something that I really want to risk future NFL dollars for? And I know that's something that we said earlier that, that absolutely probably won't happen, but I'm, I'm starting to maybe change my mind a little bit on that. So yeah, we'll yeah, see. We will see. Um, we'll get to our final thoughts on the game coming up uh, a little bit later coming up next though. Johnny's going to visit with our man, Dan. He is down in Dallas for the scoop of what's going on down there. Is there juice in the big D for this game that is coming up next uh, on the Dubcast? You're listening to it to be continued. All right, I am. I'm rolling on this one solo. I'm a little. I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous, but I'm glad that Dan is here to talk to us about all the goings on that's happening in uh, Dallas right now. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. So let me ask you this, because we spent the first I don't know 15 minutes or so of this podcast talking about how maybe we're not quite as excited about this game as we feel we should be. How fans maybe have reacted to this differently because it's not a you know, college football playoff bowl game. What is your take right now? Because you're in Dallas, you're there, you're seeing things, and you're kind of gauging how excited people are. What do you think the excitement level is? How many Ohio State fans are there? Are they treating this as a big-time bowl game that I think a lot of people feel that it should be? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, if it, you know, still being a couple of days out from a game, uh, I haven't really seen much yet in, in terms of fans being around. You know, they, they might not be here yet, but it's hard to say. I mean, you definitely don't get that feel that we've had in some previous years with the bowl game. And I think, you know, that's a combination of factors. One being, of course, the expectation of making the playoff and not making that the disappointment. And then I think just the earlier date, too. I think with it being the 29th, it still being just a couple of days after Christmas. I think, you know, the people who would maybe if it was a New Year's Day game, would maybe already be down here days before the game. Maybe they're not because they've been spending time with family and had other plans. So I think that does take a little bit away from it, uh, but we'll kind of see more here in the next couple of days if the excitement kind of ramps up a little more as we get uh, within the hours of game time. Well, that's the other thing that we're kind of talking about a little bit, which is that, you know, Bulls make a huge effort to make this 
you know, a, a big thing for both the players and then people were kind of following it and the sponsors and whatnot. What kind of things has the uh, the Cotton Bowl done to try to hype this game up a little bit in Dallas? And what, what kind of things have they sent the players out to do? Yeah, sounds like they've been doing a lot of fun stuff. I know last night the players went to a, a Dallas Mavericks game. I think they okay. also went to uh, Top Golf. Uh, I know they. Uh, <laughs> I know that. I know the players uh, yesterday. I think they made a trip to Whataburger, so they were excited about that. Maybe not uh, perfectly following their uh, nutritional requirements, but uh, getting to try a uh, Dallas staple. So uh, it sounds like they've been having a good time. Uh, the guys we've talked to, they seem like they've been. In enjoying themselves here in Dallas. So I, I think it's been a good experience for the players uh, just in terms of that overall bowl game experience. Certainly uh, a game like the Cotton Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, they're always going to do it big and they're always going to give it that big game feel, uh, certainly for the players. Okay, so here's the, okay. So first of all, I don't think any Ohio State fan wants to hear that players are enjoying themselves at a burger place um before a bowl game i don't think that's something that's that's not something that i think ohio state fans want to hear um especially given how in and out treated uh (laughs) ohio state before uh the bowl game against florida but the thing that i want to ask you and this is something that i looked for i wanted to write something about and you know maybe i just haven't been keeping up on it but what what kind of swag are these guys getting what is the bowl offering these guys in terms of trinkets treats gifts, all that kind of stuff. Have you gotten any yeah, information a, on that? I, I, I haven't. It's a good question because I know there was a story out a, a few weeks ago. I think it was Sports Business Journal or something like that. Yeah. that did a story on all the gifts the team's gotten. The one that didn't was the Cotton Bowl. So I yeah. haven't I haven't seen the players enough to see, you know, if they're walking around with any <laughs> bags or gear or anything. But I'm sure they're getting some good stuff. I'm sure we'll get a better idea of that. Uh, in the in the days to come, but it was a little bit interesting there. They didn't they didn't want us to know exactly what the players are getting, but I would think with all the sponsors we've seen around at all the places they've been going, I'm sure they're getting some good stuff. There's got to be a limit to that though, right? They've got I think it's like what like a five hundred dollar limit or something that they place on those. Yeah, I know there is a rule. I I don't know like what the dollar limit is, but I know there is a rule in terms of how much the players are able to get and be permissible benefits of course right this is these are the hard-hitting questions by the way that you get when <laughs> johnny Ginter is the lead on the on the interviews we got to know how many socks they get we got to know whether they're getting a ps4 pro or an xbox one pro or whatever the hell that is that's the only thing that really matters in the lead up to this game it's just whatever kind of ridiculous crap that they're getting uh as compensation for playing this exhibition game all right so let's let's move on to actual football questions because i do have a couple of those believe it or not what I want to know specifically is what are you seeing in terms of preparation? So there's been a lot of talk about how the running backs are going to have um, time allocated and things like that. What have you seen? What stood out to you as these, uh, as these guys prepare for the the cotton bowl in USC, anything interesting that's popped up that maybe you didn't see during the regular season? Yeah. I mean, I think they'll probably stick a lot to what they during the regular season, you know, but you know, in terms of the offense, I mean, you'd certainly expect, this is going to be a JT Barrett heavy game plan with it right. being the last game of his career. You'd expect that they're going to want to put him in position to make plays. You know, it's certainly going to be interesting, the, the Dobbins Weber dynamic, how do they continue to balance that? Uh, but I think, you know, I would think, especially on offense, I think we're going to see a lot of the usual suspects, the, the guys who have played all year. Those are going to be the guys who continue to be the usual su- suspects. I, I think defense, I'm a little more interested just because, 
we, we've seen the issues that have been constant with this team this season in defending the tight ends. And you would think over the last three to four weeks that these coaches have put a lot of time into trying to figure out that problem. So I'll be interested to see if they try anything different, especially going up against a quarterback of Sam Darnold's caliber and the type of offense that USC has. If they try anything different, maybe work in some different players or some different packages to try to combat what the Trojans do. But I would think offensively it would probably be a lot of the same of what we've seen all year. So nothing, not necessarily Tate Martell coming in and like doing, you know, that I would not expect. I would <laughs> I would be shocked if we saw that. Yeah, well, I, I think that's what a lot of people kind of want to see in a game like this. They want to see them, you know, take chances and do really crazy things. But it, it sounds like from everything from practice and everything we've seen from the coaches that they don't seem super excited about really stretching themselves. I mean, this you kind of just mentioned it, and this is something that we've talked about a little bit, but it does feel like this overall is going to be kind of the JT Barrett show where they want to set him up for the Shrine games and things like that um, going forward. I mean, it, that sounds selfish, but I I would say that when you've got a coaching staff that maybe feels that they, re, you know, owe JT Barrett quite a bit in terms of you know, respect and all that other stuff, that they're, they're really going to give him the opportunity to maybe wing it a little bit and do some of that pro style stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think with everything JT's done for this program and, and how much respect that Urban Meyer and the rest of the coaches have for him, but you, they're not going to be looking to put Dwayne Haskins in this game. They're not going to be looking <laughs> to put other quarterbacks in this game. They're right. going to let JT run the show, and they're going to build the offense around him. And, you know, you know, I think that's twofold. For one, certainly you want JT to finish his career strong. I think he's done. You want him to finish this his career with a big game, a big win, and go out on top the way you want to send send him out. And then secondly, I mean, I, I think that certainly last game of the year, you're going to prepare really hard. You're going to give everything you have and put into this game. But with it not being a playoff game, maybe you don't want to throw in some wrinkle that we've never seen before. <laughs> you probably, you know, there's going to be certain plays you've drawn up for certain players you have now. If you've got plays you've drawn up for JT specifically, Now's the time to bring those out of a playbook and give them a chance to run them. But you're probably not going to want to show people what Dwayne Haskins or Tate Martell can do if you don't have to, because you're going you're to save that for next year. Right. And that's something that I think is going to be really interesting to see how that evolves over the spring. But I agree with you. I think during this game, they're probably not going to do anything super crazy. Uh, speaking of JT, I mean, you, you wrote something uh, yesterday where he's, you know, he's back in Texas. He's, you know, kind of, you know, doing what he's doing. But do you think that's a big deal for him? The fact that he's back in his home state, he's in front of, obviously, a lot of people are going to come out to see him. Uh, does that mean something special for him? But yeah, I think, I think the cool thing is that there'll be people who maybe haven't seen him play in person his entire Ohio State career, because of course, but one previous game in Texas was the national championship game where he wasn't able to play. I think this will be an opportunity for different members of his family. I mean, I mean, his mom and dad, they, I think they've been at every game in his career. You always see them in the stands at every game. But, you know, maybe aunts and uncles and, and cousins and, and, you know, even just high school friends, you know, people from his hometown who he's known for a long time. I think this will be an opportunity for a lot of them to come out and, and celebrate his final game with him. So I per- certainly think that's something that, is not lost on him. I mean, if you, you know JT. JT's an all-business kind of guy. His, his focus is on going out and, and winning this game and, and finishing 
his career as best as he possibly can. But I certainly think the fact that he'll be able to have more family and friends and people who mean a lot to him there in the stands of this game, I certainly don't think that's lost on him. And I, I think he thinks that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, and I think I think they're going to definitely play that up during the game. I think I think it is pretty cool. I think that's something that a lot of people should recognize. And, and maybe not enough is being paid attention to the fact that this is the last game of one of the most significant Ohio State quarterbacks or players, period, in the last you know, 25 years or so. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm glad. I hope that there's a little bit more hype as we get closer to the game. Uh, Dan, let me get you out of here on this. Let me ask you one more question. You've been in Dallas. I've never been to Dallas before. I've never been able to to sample the town. You've only been there a few days. I don't know if you've had previous experiences there. What is a cool place for people to check out or someplace that you've been able to go in the past few days for anybody who might be going down for the game? What's a place that they should check out? You know, you know like I said, it's, it's my first time in Dallas, and, and I haven't had a ton of opportunities yet. I mean, we've, we've spent a lot of time here, whether it be working or just spending time over media, you know, here at the, the Omni Hotel in Dallas, which is, is super nice. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, checking out the, the rest of the city here as we go. I mean, the, the downtown area is pretty cool. So I uh, definitely think certainly looks like there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to do around here and <laughs> looking forward to looking forward to checking it out. I, I've been telling the guys I'm with, I, I at least want to get to like the Pecan Lodge or someplace like that and get some really good barbecue before I leave. So looking forward to checking out the city a little more over the next few days. Yeah, I think anything that you can do to just get some barbecue or whatever food that they that they're really like shoving at you that isn't just the standard like rubber chicken or whatever, just go for it because I think that's that's pretty much one of the biggest perks I think of of being able to hit up these these places during bowl season. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Dan, Absolutely. thank you very much for for coming on. Thanks for coming on and talking with us. Uh, I know you're super busy. I know you've got some interviews coming up here in a few minutes, but it was good talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Johnny. I appreciate it. All right, and to remind you, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We do appreciate it. Please rate us high. Uh, those things matter to people when you rate it high, and especially to us. And if you like us, it'd mean a lot to us. Um, all right, let's get to the final thoughts and then ask us anything. We'll do final thoughts first. To me, um, I, there's a lot of things I'll be watching for in this game, but I, I mentioned it in the first segment of the show. It's it's the Ohio State defensive line and Darnold. That's the cat mouse that to me is most intriguing. And I think Ohio State has an incredible advantage there. And I think you know, the same could be said about the offensive line, that Ohio State's line of scrimmage is just going to be pretty dominant in this game. And mm-hmm. so then what type of game do we get? Um, and I, if, if USC is going to be in the game, it'll have to be a shootout. Um, I think Ohio State could strangle the game if they wanted to just because of the dominance up front. So the number one thing I'm looking for, though, and cannot wait to see is that Ohio State defensive line uh, getting after Sam Darnold and how he handles the pressure. Yeah, same. Uh, that's that's pretty much the the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, and I like the fact that it's a, you know, it's a defense offense matchup where Ohio State is the defense because you know what I'm really kind of tired of hoping and and maybe waiting for like this insane crazy mind bending Ohio State offense to kind of formulate and take shape. Yeah. So I really just want to pay attention to the defensive line just teeing off on dudes. I think that's going to be really entertaining and probably a little bit more fun than you know hoping that they throw it you know. 50 times a game down the field and then run it another 50 times and score, you know, 75 yard touchdown, stuff like that. Yeah. The next thing I think that I'm going to be keeping an eye on will be uh, kind of dovetailing off the Tate Martell comments from earlier in the show, but the idea of who does urban keep happy? 
Uh, you saw the Trayvon Grimes transfer since we let, I mean, he was supposed to be the next big guy. I mean, it's a five-star kid who transfers out, go to Florida because of family issues. Um, there's a glaring weakness at receiver. I mean, it's big. Yeah. It's a big problem going into next year. It's a very big problem. Um, so who is kept happy at receiver? Who gets opportunities in this game? Lots of, this is your last taste. If you're a Buckeye football player, it's your last taste of this season until spring. So if you're going to transfer, if you're going to move on, this might, this might carry more weight than it should. I think the same thing at running back, like what happens with Mike Weber in this game? Yeah. You know, does Mike Weber say, you know what? I've had enough. I'm draft eligible. I've got a thousand yard season under the, under my belt. Um, you know, you saw what's happened with Rod Smith and Dallas, like Buckeye backs can play. Does he bounce for the pros? I mean, I know that seems crazy. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'll be watching for that too. Like who does urban keep happy here? Uh, will be fascinating for me in a bowl game. Yeah. I, I really want to see along those lines. I kind of want to see how he's going to treat JT Barrett and his final game as an Ohio state, uh, football player, because I really, honestly, if I'm him and, in his shoes. I, I don't know that I'm thinking so much about keeping some of these other guys happy as much, at least for that specific game. Although I, I know that he, he is and will, but if I'm him, all I really care about is JT Barrett. I want to see what kind of show he's going to try to put on. And, and, you know, JT Barrett's gotten some looks. He's going to be, uh, I think going to one of the, the bowl games there, one of the shrine yeah. game. Um, I, I want to see what kind of show Urban Meyer specifically allows JT Barrett to kind of put on. And, and if JT Barrett can rise to the occasion, he's done it once this year and he's utterly failed at other right. times this year. So that to me is really what I want to see, how much of the offensive game plan that they put on his shoulders, especially in terms of passing the ball, because I think they know that the NFL does not care about a guy who can maybe run it up the gut for three or four yards against, you know, Indiana. So Boy, you hit on it. That was my third is the is the Ohio State game plan put in place to give Ohio State the best chance to beat USC or is the Ohio State game plan put in place to showcase JT Barrett for the NFL? Yeah, uh, which I think is a long shot anyway. I mean, I think it could bounce around. I think it could be. I mean, if Chase Daniel could play in the league for six years, JT Barrett can. Um, yeah. So that t- that's a great point. It was my third. And I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, is this offense put in place? Friday to beat USC or to make JT Barrett look good and can both be accomplished. We'll yeah. find out. I mean, it's been mixed results <laughs> so far this year when they put too much of the game plan on him, it's been mixed. So we'll see. Um, right. But that is that next, honestly, next to Darnold Ohio state defensive line. And most of that's just because I live in Cleveland. Um, th- that's the biggest to me is, is what, what is, how, what's urban's approach to this thing for JT. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a really fair question to ask. My last one would probably be just in terms of the running game. I want to see who all is going to get what. And I know that's, you know, you kind of alluded to that and seeing who might be thinking about next year and whatnot. But I guess to me, I'm more curious about who they believe is really kind of the future at running back in general. And who do they believe represents the best chance to help supplement a relatively green quarterback, whoever it is next year. I mean, assuming Haskins, but who do they believe is going to be the person that gives them the best chance to win? Because honestly, whoever is running back, who's getting the the lion's share of the carries next season is going to be the focus of the offense. I think just period, because I think college football coaches pick dudes to do that, who they think are the safest bets to carry a game. And I'm really curious to see who that person is for next season. I think this game will tell a lot about who that uh, Urban Meyer and company are thinking that is. 
I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting. I mean, we talk about it. You get some juice. I mean, it's gonna. there's a lot of good stuff to watch for in the game. Um, we have some time for some Ask Us Anything's really quickly, my friend. What do you have for us? Okay, real quick. We got we got a couple questions here. Uh, they're both okay. from uh, Evan, so I'm, I'm very, very grateful for sending those in. You can send any questions, ask us anything, to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This first one here, and this is I, I really enjoy this question. Number one, is the jersey number zero or double zero allowed in the NCAA? Is that is that something that is allowed, or have they clamped down on that? Because I actually am curious about that myself. I don't believe so. Okay, I don't believe. I don't know, but my guess is if it was, somebody would have wore it. Yeah, it would have become I would trendy. So I would say no. I would say that one to ninety-nine. Um, the NCAA, as you know, has really no rule number, no numbers rules, unlike the NFL, where they have certain players and positions have to wear certain numbers. The NF the NCAA has none of that. You can wear any number you want as evidenced yeah. by, you know, uh, Gardner wearing 99 at Michigan playing quarterback a couple of years ago in homage to Tom Harmon. Um, so you can, you other, but I would think if, if you could wear zero or double zero, somebody would have. Yeah. Somebody would have gotten like the agent zero Gilbert arenas. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of yeah. It's great branding. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. It is. By the way, what is your favorite non-traditional number that was been worn by a player? non-traditional because i love the 99 i thought that was great honestly yeah i i love that it was an homage to Harmon. i mean i think that's cool i i'll tell you i would never non-traditional you know what michael irvin wore 47 as a receiver (laughs) at miami that was pretty cool i mean because if you have to go back because now i mean so many people wear the single digits everybody wants to wear a single digit right so you know there's a lot of defensive ends who wear two like chase young i mean like you see that now you never used to see that. I'll tell you another one that jumps into my head is uh, LeVar Arrington wearing 11. Like at that time, you, you never saw linebackers wearing 11. Um, I'm not somebody – I don't like quarterbacks wearing 20. I don't – like Heath Shuler wore 20 or 21. I don't like the Shea Patterson kid wearing 20. I think that I think that's kind of – I don't have much use for that. Um, let me think if there's any others. I do like – but, I mean, it's it's a linebacker number. So, I mean, I do like – for whatever reason, I like the Ohio State tradition of linebackers in the 40s. I think yeah. that's kind of cool that they, you know, when they do that, I think that has some juice to it. But uh, the ones that jump out to me are Michael Irvin as a receiver wearing 47 and then uh, LeVar Arrington at, at 11. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Anytime you, you have any? wear really high numbers, that's that's my favorite. I, I think that's hilarious. I really Have we know. seen, I mean, what's the last one though? I mean, most receivers come in now in the single digits of the teens or the yeah. 80s. I mean, you don't even really I see that many that. 80s anymore. Most of them are single digits or teens. Um, I'm yeah, sure I mean, it's they, well, it Calvin Johnson had 81 in the NFL, which I thought was incredible. Like, I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. Are there any? Um, I'm trying to think of any Buckeye non traditional numbers right. that jump out from guys who played at Ohio State. You know, at the time, you know, it doesn't now so many wear this number, but at the time when Maurice Claret wore 13, running backs oh, yeah. didn't wear 13. You know, that was rare to see a running back in 13. That was kind of a cool thing to see. I think um, the, two, the two numbers that I always remember are just A.J. Hawk with 47 and then Maurice Corrett with 13. Those are the two yeah. that always pop out of me. Yeah, so. both those I think are cool. And, at the, you know, 47 obviously um, has special meaning at Ohio State. And then, right. uh, and then 13 for a running back was very rare, you know, at that time. Now it's common. You see it all the time. But at that time, it's, it's, it was pretty rare. Yeah. All right. Next one here. This is this is not a football related question, but seeing how is, you know, it's it's cold outside and we might want to snuggle in our beds instead of being Captain Trips on the uh, 
on the radio in the podcast here. We got rank them in order, most favorite to least. We got pancakes, waffles, and French toast. How would you rank these three delicious breakfast treats? French toast, waffles, pancakes. Perfect. No, that's exactly right. right. You are exactly one hundred percent right on that. And it's all about it's all about uh, syrup retention. That is that it's is exactly totally how syrup that works retention. Out. Yeah, I mean, like a pancake can just become a mush of yeah, mess. it's gross. So I I don't ever make pancakes. I do most of the cooking in my house. I don't ever make pancakes for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do a pretty mean French toast. Um, and French toast is almost it's almost unscrew upable. You can yeah. pretty much it's pretty simple. Yeah, you add a little cinnamon to it, it's a win. And so. Yeah, I mean, I think French toast is is the clear winner, and then I would go because waffles you can screw up. I've I've had them where they can get soggy, so I like a crisp waffle, and then pancakes. Like I really, if I could go the rest of my life without eating them, I'd be fine. How about you? <laughs> there's a really there's a really great pancake place in Columbus. You got Jack and Benny's, which makes some really delicious pancakes. But if they're not done well, they're just it, it's like eating soggy cardboard. It's not yeah. great. Um, so I'm with you on that French toast, waffles, pancakes. I've had some excellent waffles. One of my favorite, uh, was when I was living in the dorms at Ohio state and they had the, the waffle maker with the Ohio state logo on it. So that was pretty pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So any of them them are best served with that. I'm sure it's the worst thing in the world for you, but that butter that it, that it's like whipped. Yeah, I can't. That kills That's, me. Like, I love I it. Love like five stuff. bites and then I'm dead because I'm like, well, you can't. I mean, you can't eat a lot of it. But I mean, if, you know, if that to me, if you can get that butter, because yeah. really what you want on a waffle is to me, you want every every available compartment filled with both syrup and butter. Yes. To me. Yeah, That's right. how that has to be. Like, it almost has to be just glossed over so yeah. that if there's no holes because you've filled them all up. Let me ask um, you this. Irvin, Irvin didn't, ask, didn't add this to the question, but how do you feel about crepes? That's yeah, fine. I mean, it's. You know, I they they would they wouldn't be they would not trump the French toast or the waffle. Um, yeah, I don't eat them enough to have a strong strong take on them. Hate crepes, absolutely hate them. They're like paper. Yeah. They're just soggy, gross paper. I went to a, a quote unquote crepe like specialty place. I don't know some BS thing in the genre, yeah. and it was garbage. It was so bad. <laughs> we waited like thirty minutes for it. Came on my plate. It was like soup. With like paper in it, it was terrible. It's no good. Um, yeah. not a crepe fan. So that's yeah. ask us anything. Those are those are excellent questions. Please send in those more breakfast. Fun, yeah. Ask us that anything. was very fun. Yeah, we love that. Um, all right, buddy. Good stuff. Next week we will dissect a uh, hopefully a Buckeye win over USC yeah. and um start to draw some conclusions on where this team goes from here. Because I'm sure there'll be a lot of news that is made in terms of who's going pro and who's not by the time we tape uh, next Tuesday. So we will uh, we'll be back next Tuesday for another show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week, Johnny. Yep. See you next week.